On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing the 1984 trauma slasher, Splatter University, starring Forbes Riley. Welcome to another episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. I'm Brandon, and as always with me is your St. Trinian alumni co-hoster, Cullen. That's my horse. Cult Cinema Cavalcade is a bi-weekly movie podcast that finds Cullen and myself discussing a film from cinema's past considered, but not limited, to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, every episode will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language, you bitch. Today we're discussing the 1984 film Splatter University. Cullen, take a dick stab at this plot, will you? A patient escapes from a mental hospital, killing one of his keepers and then a university professor after he makes his way to the local college. Next semester, the late professor's replacement and a new group of students have to deal with a new batch of killings. Splatter University is directed by Richard W. Haynes, and stars Forbes Riley, Rick Randig, Dick Beale, Kathy LaComer, Laura Gold, and George Seminara. We're here again. We are Cult Cinema Cavalcade, as we said at the top of the show. Our episodes drop every other Monday. You can find us on Twitter at CC Cavalcade and on Facebook. You can go old school and email us too, uh, mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. You can either find us at our website called cinemacavalcade.com where you can stream the episodes or download them as well as subscribing on iTunes where it's really cool when you leave a five-star rating, isn't it, Cohen? You'll have the satisfaction of knowing that you helped someone and uh, you also voiced your opinion. All right, What's better than that? You can actually voice your opinion in a positive way instead of tearing down the internet like a bastard. It also helps others looking for podcasts like ours to find us. You're helping everyone. So uh, we kind of false advertised last episode that we would have a guest on here. Our guest has canceled on us, so we will just be me and Colin, like always. If you didn't like that, why would you be here? So you're going to be fine. Don't That's worry right. about it. So you're getting two-thirds of what we told you you'd get next week, so, this week. So... But uh, maybe in the future we'll have the our playing guests on again. But for now, it's just me and Cullen. Yeah, and it was us talking about Dick Beal. Dick Beal, which sounds like like a medical condition. What's wrong with you, Ted? I got Dick Beal. I got the DB. <laughs> so we're here with Splatter University, which is our first trauma film. Which I didn't realize this was going to be our first trauma film. Yeah, we 
Not one of the more known trauma films. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, oh yeah, by the way, it's a trauma film. Because uh, this doesn't actually start with... If you see a trauma movie, you know that it has that, that cityscape with the... I was going to say flashlights, not flashlights, and but the red sky. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that uh, music. It, it, yeah, it doesn't start with that. It, it does start with like a cityscape, but it's just like Michael Hurwitz. I mean, that's not his name. I can't remember what the other guy's name is. But, you know, it's Lloyd Kaufman and the other one I, whose name I cannot remember right now. I think it's Michael something. Anyway, but it's a, it's a still picture of a cityscape with their name on it. So it, it feels like it's like like a cousin of trauma, but it's an actual proper trauma movie. But it, it's just it, it's like a like a little secret that they have. Yeah, this is this is back before they really hit their stride on like being the trauma we know. This is I mean they had another film called Graduation Day, too, where they were this is with them dipping their toes in the business. Yeah, they had like a lot of sex comedies too, like Stuck on You, and um, the what was it? Uh, the I think it was the first Turn On. I think that's what it's called. And of course, there was their first movie, uh, What's the Fuss, Gus, which was a huge bomb, and they feel bad about. It. I want you to think about this, folks. This is a a place where they have a penis monster as one of the characters in a movie. And they're ashamed of a movie they've made. So you have to understand how bad that movie must be. Right. They, I mean, they went for the the teenage audience. They would, I mean, later become the kings of the uh, video store, basically knowing Mm -hmm. how to to hit. And and they were good at what they do. And they're still around. So, hey, Trump did something, right? Where where are you at, New World Video? You're right. I would much rather watch a trauma movie than a New World video movie. Oh, let's dig into Splatter You. Uh, as Cullen said, we open with the skyline. We open with like a like kind of like shaded version of it with our, our little trauma credit, and then it fades out, and then it fades back into that skyline. <laughs> well, I think it's a different skyline, but it does look weird. It's like, this is there's a skyline. Now, here's a different skyline. Right. Why and did you feel the need to do that, movie? We we see the feet of obviously a mental patient with, like, they had one shoe on and mm-hmm. and a bare foot, and they picked up a knife, and we're told it's 2.43 p.m., and uh, this William Graham, a paranoid schizoid, is missing. And you know, the funny thing is, this schizophrenic, his name's William Graham, who is also... The protagonist in Red Dragon, the the book that introduced <laughs> us to Hannibal Hannibal Lecter, and you know was famously played by William Peterson, and most recently was the, the star of the television series of it, and has also been played by Ed Norton. So is, it's not um, spelled the same, but I, I thought it was pretty funny. So do you think I? I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with uh, the author of those books. Do you think that he was a or she was a big fan of Splatter University, and that's why their character's name is William Graham? Uh, I'm not sure if Thomas Harris was. Uh, <laughs> I think we funny. can we can just assume he was. I think as a safe the, bet. The book was published the same year that they started shooting this, so. <laughs> Who knows? In my, in my mind, 
maybe maybe he walked by the set. I don't know what happened. I'm sure. Maybe one of them was winking to a friend in the crew, or you know, there's there's a friendship there. I don't know. Maybe he got his hands on the script. He's like, "Damn, this is good movie. I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta get a slice of this somehow in my stories." I need a callback in my movie, or in my book. Yes, even though the name William Graham, I think, is only said twice in this movie. At the yeah, so it's. I think they actually change it later on. We'll oh, get yeah. there. We'll get there. Okay. Okay. But uh, I, I think they might. Uh, two doctors are looking for William Graham. There's a nurse like smoking on her break, and she just does not give two shits. Yeah, in the hospital. By in the, the way. hospital. <laughs> Outside. Well, in that the used hospital. to be a thing. That used to be a thing. Yeah, you can tell this is what hasn't been made in the last thirty. Well, yeah, like thirty years. That would not fly <laughs> otherwise. They, the two uh, doctors split up, and the female goes to, like, the nutball room where there's just, like, crazy people where you're like, yeah, this is trauma. This yeah. Is there's tra- a guy petting a mannequin head <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Why yeah. would they give these mentally unstable people props? I don't know, but, <laughs> but there they are. And the, the other doctor, meanwhile, is going around just jiggling locked doors, and then he finds a closet and Graham's in there. We don't see Graham because that's that's the mystery. And he stabs him right in the dick. Yeah, we should. Yeah, it it is. It's so quick. It's two minutes in the movie, dick stabbing, and it really is. He just opens the doors. Is like, what are you doing here? Stab! Like holy shit! This, this we, movie's this movie's not dicking around. Cult Cinema Cav- Cavalcade will may not feature any rape this week, but we are featuring dick stabbings. They're back. That's right. I guess that is uh, yeah, they are back. It's true because there was a dick stabbing and death stalker. So we, we we went from movies with rape in them to movies with dick stabbing. I believe so I'm El- sure elves next- elves had dick stabbing and uh, Savage Streets had a dick stabbing. <laughs> So you get one or the other, sometimes both, but one way or another, something's going to happen to a crotch in our in the movies we talk about. Yeah. So Will Graham takes the doctor's clothes with the giant blood stain on the crotch and just walks out. <laughs> yeah. Like no one's going to notice. Is, it, is he bleeding out? Like, is he having like a man period? What's happening? I just came from surgery. Yeah. Uh, it's like, no, I had a pimple on my thigh and it was, yeah. it was serious. Well, we then cut to uh, the title, Splatter University, with our awesome uh, synthesizer theme. And it kicks it into gear with our opening credits, where we find out Forbes Riley isn't credited as Forbes Riley in this. Oh. She was F- Francine Forbes in the credits. She probably didn't want her name on a slasher movie, I'm sure. It's why. Well, she wasn't anybody at that time, so, I mean. Yeah, yeah. The music is, is awesome. I, yeah, I, it's like. I felt like I was watching like uh, like an early 80s action movie. I felt like I was watching The Octagon, like listening to this music. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It's just any Chuck Norris movie from that time. It sounds like that. It's sweet. We pop into three years later at St. Trinian's College where there's a woman grading papers as a heavy breather looms in the hallway. And there's a knock at the door and... She- Boom, stamped right in the chest. 
Yes, you just opens the door and just tit stab. Just boom. And bloody. And I was yeah, I was super excited because like, oh right, we got a, yeah, a dick and a tit stab, but five minutes into this thing, this movie's on a rip roaring pace for excellence. Next one's a butcher knife right up the anus. That's that's where we're going. <laughs> yes. Then we cut and it says the next semester yesterday. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which made me think like wait what? Why did that murder have to happen a semester ago? Like it's it's just so it's it's pretty abrupt too. Like 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 right after the stab in the boob, it's like uh, next semester, yesterday. Like okay, so it's before that killing or like. But here's my thing. Well, like, like, like we 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 just came from a like a three year time jump. We haven't like what there's what maybe. I don't know. I don't even know if there's a minute between the three-year jump and then the next semester jump in this movie. Well, I think, I, I think you know, at some point in the editing room, someone's like, "Okay, we're doing another jump already. Let's 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 acknowledge that we know this is kind of dumb that we're jumping." <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like the editor or whoever's making these graphics were like, "Yeah, we know because we're gonna have a three like a three-week time jump here." In a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that probably was the editor. Like, this is just ridiculous. And it was just like a joke for them. We'll talk about the, the, the kind of tone issue or confusion I have with this movie in a little while. But uh, we'll keep going. Uh, the students are gathered around the college to talk about their new sociology professor that's replacing the killed one. And Julie Parker, that's her name. She shows up and has a meeting with Father Jansen who's this old guy in a wheelchair and she doesn't have anything to do that day, no class, but he wants her to familiarize with herself with the university, like take the day, just, you know, get used to it. And uh, before she goes, he tells her that the classroom she's using is jinxed and many applicants pulled out when they heard about that and that the killer of the teacher is still out there. I don't know if you have a jinx after like one murder. (laughs) But still, that's a pretty big oversight. Like, don't you think somewhere in the job interview is like, by the way, heads up, someone was murdered in that room last semester. So, just so you know, uh, like, they, I guess they just did that because every other person, when they heard that, like, what happened? I'm out. Forget it. Mm-mm, I'm done. Like, but with her, like, the only way they could hire someone was to omit... That someone was brutally murdered at their job. Like, oh yeah, by the way. It's like, you might want to wear uh, like some chain mail, uh, bulletproof vest, whatever whatever you, whatever you care to do. Uh, just be aware you might get stabbed in the tit. Yeah. Oh yeah, Bo- uh, knife to the boob. Yeah, that's how it happened. Yeah. Or if you're a man, uh, the dick. So just be aware of this. Julie, she goes and gets situated in her new apartment, and an old woman comes to her door who they try to make us think is like a killer. They do that POV shit a ton here. And I don't think even, I don't think there's any time where it's actually the killer. Uh, yeah. Like the music like is suspenseful and yeah. She just wants to remind her that to lock the front entrance door and they talk about the killed teacher and the old woman mentions an old couple that lived there where the woman poisoned her husband with like arsenic. And that's how you should do it. Now, you take when Mrs. Crawley decided to do away with her husband. Mrs. Crawley? Who's she? Oh, she lived here a little over a year ago. Now, all she had to do was put some arsenic into Mr. Crawley's prune juice. When? Just like that, 
didn't feel a thing. That's a much nicer way, don't you think? Yeah, apparently I... it's not cool to murder people you don't know, according to Mrs. Bloom. But if you know them, well, then that's fine. It's a thing you do. It's polite to know the person before you wipe them from existence. Right. It's... Yeah, that woman. Uh, we then have a group of horny, drunk college kids stop at a fast food joint to uh, drink and harass one another in the parking lot. Uh, and, th- and this is where we meet what I consider the real villain of the movie, Wolf. This is one of the students that most of his lines is just him howling. And like, as soon as I saw this guy, I was like, when is this guy going to die? He's just one of those characters that just, I, I, I don't know why they're in the movie uh, other than to make me angry. That's the only reason they seem to be in the movie. I'll tell you why a lot of them are in the movie. Why is that? They shot this movie in 1981, and then they edited the whole thing, and it was 65 minutes. Oh, really? So they went back in 1982, and they had to shoot all extra stuff. So they they shot all the teen, all the college kids stuff. Most mm-hmm. of it didn't exist in the original cut, and it was just thrown in there to add stuff to the movie to pad out the runtime. That's why if you notice in her class, there's no shots of her like teaching kids. They're all at the desk. Hmm. And the kids were added in later. Like she has no interactions aside from Kathy, who is yeah. not in any of the classroom shots of like the students in class. That's true. And I think they got her back for some of these other teen scenes. Some of them might have been in the original movie and they got them to come back. But a lot of the teen stuff, which is always jump cut in really fast, really random, really mm. dumb, and really fast, they they shot like to make 13 minutes. Wow. When I was watching the movie and taking notes, anytime I would see like the teenagers, I felt like I'm not writing any of this down. I no, know I, I, these I, people I, are important. We won't talk much. It's nothing. It's, it's stupid stuff. As a lot of it's just little inserts of dumb jokes or just you know kids being kids that has no weight other than to pad this time out a lot a lot of just mocking women about having their periods a lot of that in these scenes speaking of periods kathy isn't having one and uh she goes and sits in the back of the station wagon and her friend comes to talk to her and she confides in her and one of the guys, you know, they get in the car with Kathy, and they're like, we're going to go. And Kathy's like, you know what? I'm just going to walk. I don't want to be around you guys. And the guy says, Christ, chicks on the red, man. Yeah, that's the first reference to the rag in this movie. Not the last, mind you. No. But but the first of them. Uh, we go to a stairwell then where some kids are, like, talking about buying drugs. It just, yeah. It's just random. It's like nothing's going on, but we meet Tony there who comes in later yeah again i just like i didn't write anything down for that i was like i don't think this is going to be important at all like i'm starting to get like a sixth sense about this kind of stuff like all right these people are assholes i had the same feeling i had the same feeling uh the priest a a priest and a woman are walking down the hall and he asks her to stay late and julie enters her first class and father perkins played by the director enters (laughs) to observe they forgot to cast that role so he last minute (sighs) Took a borrowed a priest outfit from one of the other characters and stood in. Yeah, there's only like three priests in this movie, I think. Yeah, which 
Richard W. Haynes. He directed Splatter University, but he is more known because he directed Class of Newcomb High. Oh. My my personal favorite trauma film. Oh, well, maybe we'll get to that in the future. Oh, yeah. She's uh, quiet and nervous, and the kids really don't care to learn in class, and she asks them to name something they don't they do or don't feel strongly about. And then there's a bearded kid in the class who asks about abortion being made illegal again. First day of class. First day of class. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) After class ends, father Perkins asked her to stop by father Jansen's office. And he's of course not happy. She went off their tried and true curriculum. Yeah. Like uh, that was something I was uh, confused about. Was the father, Upset that they talked about abortion. I wanted to know that too. I'm like, was it because the abortion was brought up, or or they just didn't follow like the lesson plan? Because <laughs> it's like I got a, a Catholic college, so they would they would care about her discussing that. I, I don't know which is more irritating that he's upset about. <laughs> right. Like he like he, he he's either uh, close minded or he's like the dad from Footloose. You know, it's like what what. What what's your beef here? Uh, he has we we do notice during this scene that he has a nervous tick in his leg. Yes, he's sitting in a wheelchair, but apparently he can, his legs can still move somewhat. Julie and another faculty member, Cynthia, and uh, they discuss their stories of how they're they're there teaching. Uh, Cynthia gets up, but Julie witnesses a a guy who's Mark. Uh, trying to get a coffee from a machine, and the machine doesn't spit out a cup, so coffee just pours everywhere. And ha 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 ha. Yeah, they're just gonna look at each other like, huh, right? We work at a terrible university. Tony, and this redhead with this giant '80s hit set of hair, are making it's, out. It's like it's like 99 cent store Tiffany is what she looks oh, like. Oh gosh, <laughs> Trailer Park Tiffany. Yes, yes. And they're making out while. His girlfriend, Doreen, is at class. And then Doreen comes in, and they're like, oh, no, just doing homework. But meanwhile, outside, we get the point of view of a person coming in the fire, up the fire escape. And that door window opens, and it's a guy with pantyhose over his head and a knife. But it's just another jackass and his name, <laughs> who goes by Johnny Boy. And he goes, hey, guys, let's party. And then, like, a clown car files through the window. Yeah, just a bunch of guys pile through bunch of the dudes. window, jump on Tony and the girls. They have a bunch of cans of Budweiser, which I... Uh, was Budweiser one of the sponsors of this movie? Because that's the only thing they drink in this movie. It, but, but that's what it is. It's just they pile in like, oh, beer and loud noises. And that's the end of the scene. The most pointless fucking thing in the entire movie is this scene. Well, there's some cheating going on, which comes up later, right? So it's established. <laughs> but even that cheating doesn't matter. It's not like anyone in this scene is like, all right, maybe one of these people might be the murderer. The, the people in this scene, none of them are main characters. They're like all periphery characters that don't effing matter to the rest of the movie. It's like we got to follow extras. Yeah, yep. It's just people on their day off. The woman that was asked to stay later comes in later, and she meets with the priest, and they go into a classroom, and the priest gives Julie a dirty look, as in, look at me, I'm a red herring. 
<laughs> yes. Then we're at a bar, and a jukebox is playing some tunes, and all the jackasses are partying at a bar. They're, they're talking at the, at the countertop. The, it's a bar, but it really does look like a diner. It's like someone's basement. They're like, can this make a bar? we make a bar out of this? Yeah, yeah. My, my dad's got a bar in his basement. That's just as good, right? Uh, so they're all sitting around uh, the bar area, and the whole time there's like three people dancing in the background. Yes. Uh, my favorite part is when like Tony's talking to some guy, and that, that dude comes in, sneaks in, downs his beer, and walks away. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty funny. It's like, well, we gotta do something interesting in this. Let, let's have just someone dick around. That'll be fine. Let's, let's use it. It's the most well, entertaining we- thing that happens when hanging with these people. Well, what's also kind of silly is Tony comes in, and Tony is the character from not the. Uh, the uh, not the the previous scene that was like a minute, but the scene before that where it's the pylon scene, right? Where he's trying to cheat on his girlfriend. Tony comes into the bar and everyone's like, "Oh, hey, Tony, how you doing, man?" They're all excited to see him. Like, you just saw him. Like, 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 is this the next day? Because otherwise, it looks like it's like like you know, like twenty minutes later. Why is everyone so excited? I haven't seen you in ages, buddy. Like, you saw him 20 minutes ago. Relax. I haven't seen you since outside, man. <laughs> I haven't seen you since I piled on your girlfriend and sprayed beer all over your apartment. Uh, well, Doreen, Tony's girlfriend, gets mad because Tony's being a dick, and she leaves the bar. It, it's daylight. <laughs> like, four in the afternoon. Like, four in the afternoon. And she walks by, and there's a column. There's this man sitting with a, all in black with a knife waiting around, and she gets in her car that won't start. She's like, oh, shit. And then the guy comes up to the window and slices her forehead. Oh, shit. Come on, start. And only her forehead, as from if what it's I like, can tell. Yeah, as if it's like slitting her throat. Yeah. Apparently, she has some kind of medical condition where her forehead is critical to her life. I thought maybe he was scalping, but that wasn't the case. I thought that was going to happen, too. Because he, uh, t- he takes her car, and then the rest of the assholes leave the bar, and they have some cans of beer they don't like, and they toss them in the trash where Doreen's body is. So yeah, and, no, we do- and she's not scalped. No, we just see you know this poor dead girl with beer cans getting thrown on her. With just a, just a ribbon of red across her forehead. The rest of her, perfectly fine. But it's just her forehead. It's like, I know she didn't want to get like her, her shirt you know, covered in fake blood. So she asked the producers, can you just, just cut my forehead? That means I'll be dead, right? Let's just do that. And they probably thought like, man, all this crap is just filler anyway. Let's just do it and move on. After that. The studly Mark picks up Julie, and they go to dinner, where she she asks him about the teacher's murder, and we get a flash, like callback, to where the the murdered teacher before she, she gets murdered uh, says Mark. Yeah. And then Julie comes home, and the old woman has a package for her, Mrs. Bloom, and she goes up to bed and opens it, and it's a bunch of religious books. Yeah, and she, she just, like, looks at the books, like, on her bed, like, all right, whatever. Mm. Just, she throws them on the ground, 
And then three, three weeks later. Three weeks later, we jump again. <laughs> full screen, black background, white text. Three weeks later, like, what? What the hell's going to happen between her throwing down books and three weeks later that we need an, another time jump in the movie? Yeah. Well, I think it's maybe to help Kathy along as she comes to tell Julie she can't come to class and is going to the doctor. Julie's classes haven't gotten any better because she asks them if they have their topics prepared for class, and they don't. And then Julie confides on the park bench to Cynthia about students conspiring against her because none none of the students had their assignments because one of the dudes didn't have it. And I guess we're supposed to assume he convinced everybody to say they didn't have theirs. That guy seems like a real turd. I don't know why the rest of the class would, you know, like, yeah, 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 okay, sure. I've got my uh, work done, but since you don't... What does he have on all you people? What does he have? (laughs) Does he supply them with Budweiser? Is that why they go along with it? Right. It's revealed when Julie is confiding in Cynthia that she's seeing Mark. And then Julie runs into Kathy in the halls later on, and Kathy reveals she's pregnant, and Julie gives her advice on getting an abortion. Well, what I like about this is Kathy comes up uh, to to the teacher, to the professor, and says, "Uh, can I talk to you? In, in private so that they're inside the school and as soon as she says can I talk to you in private cut to outside like immediately like within like half a second of her saying can I talk to you in private bang we're outside and they're walking around talking about this yes at first I was like wait did she have the abortion or no she's <laughs> oh she okay she's she's pregnant yeah and yeah yeah it, it's it's such a jarring cut that you don't realize what is actually happening. Like, like for all we know, another time jump happened. It's, the, you know, it's yeah. that jarring. So eerily, while they're outside, Father Jansen watches them from a window. Dun, dun, dun. That's, what, that's the only kind of uh, thing that was missing was that, that stinger. Right. Although there, there might have been some good music in this. There's a, there's a lot of fun suspenseful music in this thing it starts with the opening credits that theme and it's all it's all pretty awesome except for like when they're playing like rock and roll then that stuff's dog shit it's like friday the 13th part two uh bar music is what they listen to yeah yeah that it, band it, like people that like we, we want to be huey lewis but we want to sound like we're from the 50s you yeah. know it's like what? we've listened to huey lewis twice and this is what we've come up with. <laughs> There's a saxophone in it, right? Let's just use that. Let's go. Kathy takes Julie's advice and calls Tom to arrange, telling him that she's got his child. And Mark and Julie then, they they have a drink and then go to a movie and then decide to make more plans. Yeah. 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 Like we see them they, like get a drink. Like, like they go to his place for a few seconds and then... Okay, now out, we're at the movies. Outside of a movie, and yeah. then she doesn't want to go home for a drink. It's like, what? Wait, what? Didn't you guys have that? Did did the the editor like like lose his notes, and then he just edited that together? He's like, you know what? I don't get paid enough for this. Let's just keep moving. That's right. good enough. And that's what it, the movie originally had a two week two week production schedule and then when they got to the school the school was like ah wait we know you told we told you you could have two weeks but it's gonna be one mm, okay 
They filmed it on like a spring break at some school in New York that they just yeah had a week so everybody mm. who worked there like slept in the classrooms and stuff just so they didn't have to have any travel <laughs> taking away yeah now you're now it's a trauma movie <laughs> right that's yeah, that's how it's done uh, and this movie is like aggressively afraid to shoot at nighttime outside yes, it at is. nighttime at least there I, I can think of one scene that's at night and as i was watching it i was like man it is the brightest moon ever because everything is so well lit. <laughs> you can tell it's night. And you know what? And kudos for them. They didn't use a day for night filter. It's actually at night. It is so, actually at night, yeah. So thank you for that. Uh, sp- speaking of night, we come to one of our few nighttime scenes. It's at the drive-in where a guy's driving up to the theater and he's, uh, get a BJ. <laughs> one of the greatest parts in the movie. Yep. Well, the guy, like, he, he pulls up, and you just see him by himself, and he talks to the, you know, the ticket taker, and says, uh, it's like, hey, there's nobody here, and then, like, um, what that woman, like, she lifts her head up and says, because they suck. Well, Kathy and her guy, they go to the drive-in, and it's it's empty, and he, the dude, they get in the back seat, and the guy tries to put the moves on her, and she rejects him. Tells him she went to the doctor, but then she doesn't tell him she's pregnant. And there's some dude with a flashlight that stands outside their car, which pisses the guy off. And he goes out yeah. to find him. And meanwhile, and then Kathy goes out to find uh, Tom's his name, and she gets grabbed and her throat slit. Tom, if you think you're funny, you're not. What was that? John. I thought I heard somebody scream. It's a horror movie. What do you expect? And then Tom goes back to the car where Kathy's body is, and he sits and talks to her, but it fades, and we don't know if he found the body or, like, what happened. Yeah, he's all pissed at her because she wasn't talking to him. Like, fine, I'll just watch the movie. And then it fades to black. (laughs) So this guy just, for all we know, this guy sat and finished a movie with a corpse in the front seats. Yeah. And also... There's a few, there's a few things with this scene that I need to talk about. Okay. So 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 they're in the back seat, like you said, and she says, "Hey, I went to the doctor," and he says, "Like, what are you pregnant?" And or knocked up, I think he says, and she doesn't really say anything, but she kind of gives him a look that mean like, "Well, yeah," and then he like rips her shirt off and tries to do it is what it looks like, but it looks like it's consensual. I no, guess. Yeah, it is. She's kind of like, um... but, but it was weird. Like she was all sullen. And then he gets turned on by the fact that she might be pregnant. And then she's into it. Like, like I don't understand how either character is happy about what the hell's going on. And then like you said, Kathy is is dragged back to the car because she was like murdered. Like uh, it looks like they get out of the car and the woods are immediately next to the drive-in. Right. Right. So her car. So she's back in the car. They're at a drive-in. They're at a public place. How did no one notice that a body was being dragged like back thr- to a car? <laughs> Because there were four cars there because they couldn't afford to, like, have a bunch of cars or make something look populated. 
I guess, but I'm just hard-pressed to believe that everyone there is humping. I mean, sure, there's, there's going to be a significant amount, sure. But there's got to be someone that wants to watch the movie. I, th- I think it's the next scene, actually, after it fades to black and it fades back up. We're joined by more of those the loser students, and they mention that Kathy was murdered there, and, you know, he uh, she went with Tom, and the guy, one of the guys says, like, oh, man bummer like i wanted to go to the movies last night or he said he's like i wonder what's playing or something like yeah, that they just don't give a shit about any of the murders That's the yeah so see that guy he wanted to go to the movies he would have been paying attention to the movies so someone should have noticed that a body is being dragged across the ground right and silly well cynthia calls julie at 1 30 a.m to tell her kathy was murdered and julie says she'll call mark Cynthia says, don't. He's not there. I've been trying to call for hours. Is it Mark? Is Mark doing it? Is his name Will Graham? (laughs) The next day at class, Julie tries to go to class, and all they care about is if their paper gets postponed because of Kathy's death. So Yeah, just just a a university full of monsters that was not produced by Pixar. Right. So... Just a whole bunch of jerks. Father Jansen is talking with Kathy's mom, and then he talks to Julie about assisting with the police about the murder. And our redhead, don't remember her name, goes to Not important. Father Williams, the creeper priest, remember? Mm-hmm. The red herring guy, to talk about uh, how she boned Tony. And he tells her to come to his office later to discuss further. And she's like, kind of like being really suggestive she's like like rubbing her legs and just you know clearly she's trying to seduce or entice or or arouse this guy yeah it's all kinds of gross mark visits julie uh while she hangs at the football bleachers and uh cynthia finds julie in the parking lot and needs a ride home and also asked to get a lift to the mall the next day, which is a conversation we don't need to see. I don't, she's, <laughs> no, we don't. She's curious about if Mark talks about the murdered teacher and unveils that he was a suspect because they dated and he broke it off right before her death. Mark's, yeah, the Mark's name backward is Will Graham. Same. <laughs> um, Julie then ends her class early that day or the next I. I don't know what happened here. And Cynthia asked her to get her car and Julie gets there and has Mark's keys that she got somehow. And yeah, we, we don't know how, but I don't know. Apparently they've been on what two dates and now she has his key to his apartment. Yeah. So she goes in by herself and there's a guy with a camera that bugs her while she's waiting to go in the door. Yes. Which leads absolutely nowhere. Oh, um, Hi. You looking for Mark? Yeah. He's not here right now. He's working at the college. Oh, yes, I I know. You want me to uh, leave him a message? I'll tell him that you came by. No, um, see, I want it to be a surprise. A surprise? Yeah, well, thanks anyway, okay? Hey, do you want me to take your picture? No, no. No, wait, I I swear to God, this is not a line. I have a photography class. I have to take pictures of people and their environments, and, uh, It'll just take a second. Uh, Maybe some other time, okay? I'll see you around. Bye-bye. The character is not brought up before or after this. We don't know the character's name. We don't know why. Like, 
I guess it's to build some kind of tension that she's pressed for time and he's wasting her time. And she's going to get caught. The guy's going to spot her somewhere else and be like, hey, you were breaking it. You were going in the apartment by yourself. But while she's scavenging through his apartment, Mark goes to Father Jansen to see if she's with him and says that she told him she had an appointment with him, which Mark's like, oh, my apartment. And, well, actually, he just says he's going to go there for lunch. And Julie finds this <laughs> this locked like desk, and apparently Mark collects the newspapers from the killings. Yeah, which me- must mean he did it, you know. And he shows up, and Cynthia moves the car, and Julie hides in some open door while Mark gets in the apartment. And Julie she skirts out, but after he notices the papers, he looks to the window and sees Julie getting into her car and then going away. How shitty is a friend uh, uh, is uh, is Cynthia? She gives no warning oh, she at sucks. all. She just drives off. She just sees Marks there and just like, well, I'm not going to get killed, and just drives away. <laughs> you know, like, the only reason that Julie knows that the car is gone is just well, because she happens to be by the window. She has to let the car take the car away because Mark will spot the car. He knows the car. Well, she should have honked or something, you know, give some kind of notice like, hey, heads up. Not just like, well, I'm getting out of here. Because that's really what it looks like. It does. It's like, it's like, well, she can get her throat cut. I'm out of here. I'm too pretty to be dead. She's not too pretty to be dead. She's just, no. she's whatever. But but still, it's it, it does look really bad. Her and Julie, they talk about sharing their findings with the priests or whatever and she says she'll talk to Father Perkins, who was the guy who was played by the director. Julie then, later on that day, the next day, I, I don't know, there's a door that students are having trouble opening in some sort of, like, janitorial area closet. I don't know why they want to get in there. But they open it up, and Cynthia slid up and dead in there. It smells like shit around here. It must be coming from the cafeteria. Oh, wow. Is that because they're there? Yeah. Yeah. They went to get some of the keys. Oh, wait. I I have a key. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, Maybe we should wait. Yeah. No, we'll get it. Come on. Come on. I didn't realize it was Cynthia. I thought it was someone that had died earlier in the movie but they were just now finding her i thought it was like the teacher from last semester i couldn't tell who it was yeah it is very hard. i just figured it was cynthia because you know she's like okay so us us two know and now i'm gonna go tell a priest <laughs> and then it's killed and mark probably knows that cynthia's with julie because who was driving julie's car when they were there so it's like setting up that you know somebody mm-hmm. else found out and killed her then julie runs into mark and then runs from him and she meets with father jansen on the bleachers and talks and says she's leaving the school and he's kind of lacks a days ago about like he's really out of character in this scene yeah he's like you know what you should really stay i mean give he's it like, a night yeah, he's like You'll is it because you're, da- you're dating someone on the staff and yeah, he tells her to go sleep on it, and he has nobody to replace her. Yeah, I'm surprised that he didn't say like, "Are you are you on the rag?" I'm surprised he didn't say that. Oh gosh, he might as well. 
we then have a woman in the stall who I think is the one that you had to work late with the glasses. Sure. And I she's assume writing she's a teacher. Stuff. Yeah, she's writing stuff on the stall. And then she gets gutted through the stall, like, randomly. Yeah, like the, the killer kicks open the door and just slices her, like, midsection. It's one of the more... The, the kills in this movie are not that diverse. It's just kind of like someone gets killed, moving on. But they're very, a, they're very bloody. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're but, not but, afraid of that. Yeah, but it, it is mostly just like, you're stabbed, and it's over. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's bloody, but it's not creative at all. And this one, it's like her her midsection is kind of, she's, she's cut across her midsection. Like, okay, that's... That's something. It's a little better. Right. Julie then goes and tells Mrs. Bloom she's moving out. She packs up to go as a news report recaps what's going on in the movie for some reason. There's like this this narration yeah. as she's you know packing up and leaving. And yeah. then the redhead, she's back. Her name's Denise, we find out at this point. It's not important. And not, not important for much longer. She calls Tony to tell him that she went to Father Williams, a creeper father. And he did something to her. Probably boning. Probably boning. And something makes noise in her closet. She goes to investigate and stabbed in the face. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> um, and you know, thankfully she's gone. It's not Wolf. It should have been Wolf. I, w- I wish that Wolf would have That guy sex- lives... Yeah, I, I wish that he would have slept with the other father so he could have been stabbed in the face. And I also wish that he would have had more than one outfit. It's clear that all the stuff that he did must have been like in a day because he wears the same clothes every time we see him. Uh, Forbes Riley has said that she noticed early on that nobody was paying attention to continuity in the film, so she supplied her own costumes and kept track of her own attire the whole uh, movie. Okay, I was going to say, like, she seems to be the only character, or maybe not the only character, but it's it's actually noticeable that she would change her mm-hmm. outfit, and a lot of characters, especially Wolf, never change their right. outfits. She, she wore her own clothes and kept track of what day things were and stuff like that. I wouldn't be surprised if the, the woman that got like a uh, killed in the forehead. I I, I wonder if uh, those were F- uh, Forbes Riley's clothes, and I don't know. like she just didn't want to get them dirty. Like she's like, look here, wear these because just to show it's a different day. I wonder if that's what it was, because hmm. that would know. make a bit more sense. I mean, the, the, it still makes the murder lame, but I it makes it more understandable behind the scenes. True. True. We can call her up and ask later on. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark calls Julie, uh, but she promptly hangs up on him and calls Father Jansen. And she says she knows who killed Cynthia and Kathy. And in a thing that happens only in movies, they can't talk about it on the phone? <laughs> or to the police? Yeah. Why, why is she going? And Father Jansen's like, yeah, I call back in an hour. And she's like, no, 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 I need to talk now. And... And he's like, okay, I'll leave the entrance unlocked. I'm like, you could have said it on the phone. 
yeah, are, is, are the phones tapped? Why, why can't you just talk about it there? Well, maybe, maybe she didn't want to talk about Well, no, it wasn't her decision. I can understand if she didn't want to talk about it, about it on the phone because uh, Mark knows that she's there. And if she thinks uh, he's the killer, then, yeah, she's like, I can't be here. I can't be on the phone because he'll be on his way over. That would make sense. However, it's the father's idea for her to come there. So they had an opportunity to do something, and they pissed it away. Jansen suspiciously, suspiciously goes to the trash bin and dumps a bunch of porn magazines in it. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, which I'll tell you, this was actually clever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because this immediately makes you go, oh, that's his big secret he's hiding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's another thing like, has it just been a red herring the whole time or, or what? That's where you're like, oh, and you see you let your guard down. And then Mark shows up at Julie's place, point of view shot, and he tells her she's wrong. And she clubs him over the head and takes off. Did, uh, did, well, she, uh, kicks him in the crotch. Right, yeah, he gets cracked. And, and then, shot. yeah, knocks him with the face and, and, and heads off. Did, um, did you notice, this has been going on for a little while in the movie, I think, like, since Julie has been packing, that it sounds, but the soundtrack, it sounds like a VHS tape that was left on a radiator. Like the, like, like the actual audio is just fine. Like the dialogue, perfect, great. But for whatever reason, the music like that, that they've been using, like at, at this point, it's just like... Yeah, like, it's a little it, like warbly. It's, yeah, I, I don't know what the hell happened. Again... Maybe it's the, the, the reels they had that was just the best sound they could get. I guess, but it's just strange that, I mean, why wouldn't they be using the... the I mean, it's the same music, I think, from earlier in the movie. Yeah, it's, it's on it, loop. Yeah, but but now it's just all warbly and dicked up. Like, I don't know why they couldn't just use the music from earlier in the movie. It's 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 strange. It's I mean, it doesn't take me out of the movie or anything like that, but it is like it is it is very noticeable. Also noticeable is that Father Jansen pulls down a crucifix off the wall and strokes it. Well, he has to stroke something because he got rid of all the pornography. True. Uh, Julie arrives and tells, tells him Mark's the killer. And then Mark calls for Father Jansen from Julie's. Uh, but Jansen tells her that she's made the same mistake Cynthia made. And starts uh, talking about sins of the flesh and gets out of the wheelchair. He stands up, pulls a knife from the crucifix. And then Julie knees him in the crotch and runs. Yeah, and it's a heck of a crotch shot, apparently, because you see a lot of the father fumbling with his balls oh, yeah. as he's chasing Julie. And we have some, yeah, we have a big chase down the halls, and Julie hides in a restroom, but finds that body and screams so everyone can hear her, including Mark, who's there trying to find Julie. And she goes to an elevator, and when the elevator stops and opens, Father Jansen's right there. They struggle, and he stabs her right in the back. And he rips that knife upward. Julie! Yeah, yeah, it's a 
it's a good slit. It's a couple of feet. It's like, oh, she's not going to survive, and no, she doesn't. Yeah, uh, yeah like, the, like the only like pleasant character in the movie dies right there. And I, I actually, when I was watching it, I, I said, no. Yeah. I, I was. I mean, it wasn't like I was like weeping, like we've come so far, Julie. You had a career, someone that loved you. It wasn't like that, but I, I did feel, you know, a classroom's jinxed. It is jinxed. It's actually now jinxed. There's two deaths. There, you have something. Meanwhile, there's a whole classroom full of shitheads. You could slash them up all day. No one would miss them. You'd be doing a public service. Instead, Julie, the nice one, who <laughs> the only bad thing she's done is going to Mark's apartment, but that was to prove that he was a murderer, which I don't expect. I don't know how she would expect to find any evidence, but whatever. Uh, Mark, he finds Julie's body and goes to Jansen's office, and we see the bloody crucifix on the wall, and we fade out. And then Jansen is in a loony bin where they refer to him. There's two like nurses outside or doctors, and they refer to him as Daniel Graham here. Was it? I thought it was. Okay. Father Jansen. A priest? No. Real name's Daniel Graham. And I was like, wait. Thought it was William Graham, and I, I I rewound it a couple times, and I I swear they said Daniel. Okay. I wouldn't put I, I, this I, movie. I, it could be that, or it could just be like poor audio. Both are very right, reasonable. But, yes. Although I'm willing, I'm willing to believe it's what you said. <laughs> well, these two guys also wonder how he got away with it all by pointing out the the idiocies of this plot. Uh, whereas. <laughs> If you just take it face value, munch some popcorn, enjoy the slasher, you don't think about that. But the minute you step outside the movie for two seconds, you go, wait, how did he get this esteem to take over a university? Yeah, within yeah. three years. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah they say, don't they check references at schools? The other guy said, they will now. Yeah. Why? He's like, yeah, you're right. That is a kind of a major issue with the movie. Why would that happen? You know, unless... Like what? What it? What could have happened? There was someone leaving uh, the university. This father was coming in. The the psycho killer. He finds the guy, kills him, and then poses as him. That would work, but they never established that. As far as we know, this guy just showed up. Like I, uh, I'll, I'll do the job. Uh, I'm a father. Why not me? Huh? As far as we know, that's what happens. Do you think it's possible? Now, I can't recall in the movie if if any of the scenes from the first murder, which includes the, 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 the teacher that gets killed the semester before yesterday, all the way through the fade out in Father Jansen's office, is a mental uh, escape mental patient mentioned at any time? No. Could that, could that opening have been added later? Uh. And, and and then the ending tacked on later. Uh, maybe, but but the thing is, uh, if it's just added for time, I get it. But the thing is, if it's just a priest that is just so guilty about love and porn, or 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 wants to eliminate people that has that have unpure thoughts, sinners. Yeah, totally cool. Makes sense. I'm down. I'm in. But. Yeah, it would be better just to get rid of the mental stuff in it, you know? Because it, it still it, makes sense. It makes even more sense if it's that. Yeah. Now, now of course, if we do that, 
we don't get to see someone stabbed in the dick. The only male killed in this movie, stabbed in the dick. Yes. So, I don't know. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe the uh, the unnecessary footage is worth it just so we can get a dick stab. Because it is graphic. It, it is just- it tacks on to the cheese of this movie, so I'll take I'll take it. Yeah. Which I've... speaking of, like, I got a sense I got two things I'm getting from this movie. And it's really confusing the tone with which you should take this movie. Like at some points I'm thinking, This is a oh this is supposed to be a comedy. They're they're doing a comedy. But at a lot of other points I'm like this is just a bad film. This is like trying to be a serious slasher, and it's just a bad film. Well, but I think all, all the stuff that's like like the comedy stuff is the crap with the students. That's the comedy stuff. Other than that, I don't really th- think that there's comedy stuff in it any more than any other slasher movie. Well, like all the jump cuts, with especially like the next semester yesterday, I'm like, oh, maybe yeah. this is a comedy? And then they're like... And this, there's the student stuff, yes, which a lot, you know, a lot of slashers have the comedy, but it's just there's like a clumsy feel to this movie that I'm like, was this just an incompetent production, which very well could be, or was this intended to be somewhat of a comedy all along? Like it's like from it start the, like the or acting maybe it, and it's or maybe it started competently and then as it went on, people were just like, man screw it let's just get through this yeah it's really hard to tell yeah like you when that like three or the not three weeks the uh next semester yesterday when that popped up i thought okay here we go it's a jokey movie but that it wasn't i don't think it was supposed to be (laughs) of course any jokes that were in the movie did not land except for the um the part at the drive-in when she raises her head up and says, they all suck. That was good. I laughed at that. But yeah. other than that, nothing lands. It's really weird. It's really cheesy. I don't know. It's just maybe it's just dated. I, I know like the other the other slasher, which we'll probably cover one day on Cult Cinema Cavalcade Graduation Day, that one is straightforward and serious but there's some moments in it that make you question it based on the score they use for mm-hmm. that movie. Um, but this one, I, I couldn't tell. You don't get that from the uh, box art either. The the box, the poster for this movie just looked like any like really cheap slasher from the early 80s. Which mm-hmm. uh, It features an actress, Elizabeth Kaitan, on the poster. She's like dressed in, a, I think, a cheerleader outfit, laying on a bench. Like, ah! Yeah. It was like an action yeah. movie, but uh, the uh, she uh, later on started in a couple slashers of her own. She was in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, The New Blood, and Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two. <laughs> so she's kind of yeah. a, a figure of her own. But it's funny yeah. that she started with a, a modeling Bo- picture yeah. on a box art for a lesser slasher than the two she was in. Yeah. Not only is she not in the movie, there are no cheerleaders in the movie either. <laughs> it is strictly just, it's at a university, get it? Students that wear the same clothes every day to class. That would have been great if Wolf was on the cover, just screaming. <laughs> but, that, but, but that wouldn't get butts in the seats. No. you gotta have, you got to have a woman on the front. got to have woman butt to get butts in the seats. 
So anyway, the movie ends uh, with like a like a bloody crucifix yep. on the wall, and the that's it. Like, seen, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Is that crucifix like hanging on the wall, like where Doctor Jan or Doctor Father Fake Father Jansen is, or is that a across from earlier because you know who knows it just you know with the jump cuts or the uh the time jumps in this movie who the hell knows where that cross is that's the last thing we see it is yeah it's but then the awesome music starts again yeah it does it does bring back the theme to take us out and that's yeah that that's it caught the killer and put him back in the loony bin three years one semester and three weeks later that splatter you no shit and I was going to fuck her. Now it's time for us to rate the movie. Every episode called Cinema Cavalcade ends with us rating the film on our rating scale. That's very culty like us. Our options are to stay with your family. Uh, you will not be taking the teaching position at St. Trinian University in the cursed classroom. Converted. You uh, will enroll for classes at St. Trinian and take a couple semesters. And drinking the Kool-Aid, which means you're up for dating Mark and boning Tony. (laughs) So, Cullen, how would you rate Splatter University? I I had a lot of fun with this movie. It was also short, which is also nice. You you don't want a slasher to be too long. Most slashers aren't going to be that long to begin with, thankfully. I, I love the music in it. Someone got stabbed in the dick. I cannot emphasize it enough, folks. Two minutes in, dick stab. Jarring. Awesome. <laughs> Followed up by a tit stab. It's nuts. It's great. So for this, I am I am, I am converted, and, and I am very close to drinking the Kool-Aid on this. But I, as of now, I, I'm just converted uh, for this movie. So, Brandon, how do you rate this movie? As I've mentioned before in the show, I'm a big fan of slasher films. Uh, it's a subgenre that's near and dear to my heart. I'm a fan of a lot of them. And this is from the golden era of you know 1980 to 1984, where there was a new slasher every week at the theater that made people so damn sick of them. And this is one I, I do like. If you're a fan of slashers, this is a goofy one. If you can take all different kinds of them. And it's a fun watch because it's really silly um the blood splatters everywhere i mean the the uh, effect gore effects may not be top of the line but you do get a lot of blood when someone dies and it's really it's pretty good looking blood too it's got just stupid shitty teen stuff that we have been rolling our eyes at the whole time but it kind of makes a lot of the dumb stupidity of the movie it's super cheap which is part of the fun with it and it just yeah i I don't think I was, you know, invested in any of the mystery at all, but was fine with, you know, how it rolled out. But it's it's just a silly movie, an e- easy watch. It's three minutes above feature length requirements, and yeah, it's, you know, I, I don't want to sell it too high, but you know, I don't want you to think, oh, it's crummy. But it's it's a stupid movie. If you're into the cult movies, we watch the 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 crappy little ones that are just a joy. This is this is in that realm. So converted. Conver- oh, <laughs> converted. Yes, I'll go converted. Okay, good. No, I'm staying with my family. 
Yes, I'm, I am converted on Splatter U. Now, this was a good a good first trauma movie to do. My, nice ease into the bath that is trauma. Yeah, and it is. it does feel trauma. The acting's trauma. The the sort yeah. of uh, aesthetic where it's like it kind of looks like a real movie, kind of doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, it has that grainy film stock that Troma used for twenty years. Right. Um, also, it it, it it does feel like a Troma movie, but it's not in Tromaville because the people aren't attractive or hideous enough. <laughs> Because this, this is just full of the people that aren't in Tromaville. This, just the this, the the average looking people, the nice looking people. They're not either striking or heinous. So, and there we, was not a scene with a car going up off a ramp and flipping. It's true. Which that would have been great if this was the point of origin for that, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. No, it's not. You cheap bastard! After all the dope I sold you. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing that other 1996 alien invasion film, Mars Attacks. We dropped the same week that Independence Day Resurgence hits theaters, so we wanted to go back and talk about the Tim Burton film that isn't getting a sequel 20 years later. Uh, Mars Attacks, I like to call it the beginning of the end of why we like Tim Burton. And we'll see how it holds up for us on the next episode but our episode here today splatter you has come to an end uh, thank you for hanging out with us uh, we look forward to next time but first stay tuned for the trailer for mars attacks the trailer that actually trails what is that White House is coming out live. My fellow Americans, this is a momentous occasion. It is profoundly moving to know there is intelligent life out there. Alien life. And our world will never feel quite the same again. Once you believe. Martians, please come to Earth, please. Once you rise above fear. Annihilate! Kill! Kill! Let's not be too rash. Then you'll be invited. Hi there. Are you interested in the White House? To meet with a new people. It's so perfect that it's happening at the beginning of the new millennium. More powerful than the might of America. I'll tell you one thing, they ain't getting a TV. More advanced than the brains of Britain. Ladies and gentlemen, this could be a cultural misunderstanding. But be prepared for a few changes to what we know and love. Tom Jones, right? It ain't unusual. As we must learn to dance. Girls, get out! To a new tune. Jack Nicholson. Whoa. Why can't we all just get along? Glenn Close. Kick the crap out of them. Pierce Brosnan. What, in your view, are some of the things that the Martians can teach us, Professor? Quite a lot about Mars, I expect, Natalie. That means Danny DeVito. You want to conquer the world? You're going to need lawyers, right? And Annette Bening. I think they've come to save us. From director Tim Burton. Geek, 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 geek,
Hey, we all make mistakes, Mr. President. Mars attacks. Not anymore. We're going to take charge of this thing. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Cullen's work on the Creative Zombie Studios Network and on Twitter at my name is Cullen. You can find more of my work on WeisselBlue.com. My Twitter handle is at BT Peters. Our producer is Brad Shoemaker. Podcast edited by Brandon. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf found on the freemusicarchive.org website. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio and no infringement is intended. Please join us again in two weeks for our next episode of Cult Cinema. Cavalcade. I got a thing. What do you think I am, a eunuch? I don't mean that thing. I mean a thing. You mean like a rubber band or a prophylactolator? Mm-hmm. I had it on an hour ago when I was waiting to come in. So, okay, we done? Yep.